You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I am joined with Patience, Frida and Harold. Before we delve deeper into the topics, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Patience, do you want to give us a kickstart? Sure. Hi, I'm Patience Allen and um, I recently left a job as a manager in telecom and I'm going into the world of consulting. So that'll be fun. Um, But one of my big passions is really frankly people and making sure that, you know, I can help them when I can, I can help them do their best, be motivated, you know, change jobs to fit them, you know, do whatever I can to make their life better and thus feel you know great about that myself as well um because i think you know you really don't have a company a product a service a life without you know people in it and good people so that's sort of my extrovert social self that comes out both in the private life and in the workforce um so that's really what i'm passionate about and what i focus a lot on amazing harold would you like to go next yeah, sure. Um, my name is Harlan, Harlan Gomez. Um, I'm an engineering manager for Fred. Um, I've been into software development, software engineer for, my experience is really software development. Um, my passion is um, creating, building uh, software, building platforms, building uh, apps. And uh, my side project, I am doing some community app for our, com- uh, our community, Filipino community in, in Sweden. Um, yeah, so, um that's um that's for me yeah perfect and last but by no means least frida yeah hi um my name is uh, frida lohmann um i have a leadership background in advertising and service design and uh, digital agencies um, and today i work as a team manager at the bonnie news tech and my team is the team um the product team that is developing the digital products of Dagens Nyheter, that is uh, Sweden's largest nice. morning newspaper. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, about burnout, today's topic, I would say that um, it's uh, something I experienced myself early in my career. And today, uh, 20 years later, uh, of course, I used my own experience in my job as uh, as team manager to work on reducing stress and towards more sustainable working conditions uh, within my organization at uh, Bonnie News Tech. Amazing. So now that we've established the context, let's move a bit of focus onto the topic. So as Frida said, today we're going to be talking about work-life balance, focusing on particular with burnout and how to avoid it within the team and how to, you know, make sure it doesn't occur in the workplace. So as usual, we'll work our way around the room with our questions and you'll all have the opportunity to give your thoughts, opinions and what you'd like to say about that. Frida, would you like to kick us off? Yes, of course. Um, So 
uh, to be honest, um, well, let's be honest, uh, mental illness and burnout is uh, still a stigmatized area, uh, especially during sort of the, the recovery phase of a, a burnout. Uh, I would say that there is a risk that you need to struggle with both the recovery and uh, that you also may need to address, you know, society's prejudice uh, and sort of have doubled the load during a very fragile part of your life. That can be very difficult. So um, as a consequence, one consequence of, of self-stigmatization can be that you get low self-esteem and less confidence. Uh, in your own ability to to cope with something so and that's not really the best foundation for for healing and self-development so my question to this uh, splendid group is how can we all help break the stigma around burnout and mental illness and I mean what can we as leaders do and what can everyone do and, I, and if I can just kick off by saying us sitting here today talking about this in, in a podcast is really a really great step. Um, and in research, it's often said that stigma is due to the public's lack of knowledge about the topic. So, uh, and, and uh, that's why I try to be as open as I can about my own experiences. And so by talking about it, we can spread knowledge and, and show just how common this is. Um, so uh, my own experience is that when you start sharing your own story, others open up and start sharing theirs. <laughs> so and I mean, as me as leaders, we're role models. And by showing both vulnerability and by showing courage to talk about this, we can lead the way and interchanging the stigma. But what are your what are your ideas about this? I can hop on that. Um, I completely agree that it's a topic that we really need to discuss more and talk about more openly, and that there is a lot of stigma, as you say. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that are very very simple things that we can do. Um, but obviously everything sort of needs to be tailored. There's no one-stop solution for everybody. Uh, it sort of depends on why the burnout was caused, what led to that. Um, but I think it's important to sort of realize that burnout happens both because of the individual uh, lacking perhaps some of the techniques to handle stress in a very effective way, but also because of the context they are in. Um, and so it's not something that a person as an individual who's experiencing the burnout can solve completely on their own. They need that network of either friends or colleagues or managers or others in that environment to help address the external factors that led to the burnout. Um, and I think it's it's one of the things that people tend to gloss over. They tend to think burnout is an individual thing and not a contextual or societal, uh, environmental-based uh, thing. So I think it's, um, it's something we should take very seriously and work on the solution with the person who is experiencing the symptoms because often they'll have ideas of where it's come from and, and what maybe could be done. And that also will empower them so that they don't feel as much stigma. So maybe they, they don't 
lose that confidence that they otherwise had. So that in and of itself is a tip or a, a trick on how do you get people back into a good space where they can feel proud of themselves, feel valued, feel involved, um, and not stigmatized as much. Um, but that's just one of many ideas. Harlan, maybe you have some others? And you guys have already said everything. But yeah, um, I could say that um, in my experience, it's very, um, as a person or as a, as a worker, I, I don't really have this much experience with burnout because um, my, my job is um, about building some software, building products, uh, apps and stuff. Um, but, but also um, in the team itself, as a manager, um, I, I, I noticed that they, when it happens, the burnout happens when there are a lot of pressures from the, from the upper management about the deliveries and schedules and what we can deliver and what and what not. And, and the burnout uh, turns out to be um, very simple that um, uh, some, some, uh, some of my, um, some in my team, it's just about the, the pressures that they are experiencing. And usually what I would do is just talk to them individually and ask and, and just listen to them. And by just, just letting them speak, you know, it already relieves them. It's like say, you're saying, hey, don't worry too much. What do you want? What do you want to do? You want to take time off? Do you want to, um, you know, just to, to, to bring down the stress level? Because scientifically, it's the, the burnout starts when you have too much um, stress chemicals in your body and that the adrenaline is just too high that you cannot like raise it, uh, put, uh, bring it down to the level where you're okay. And when this, this stress uh, chemical spiles up, like the, like the this, um, what do you call it, molecules or something, <laughs> something like that, uh, um, uh, it doesn't go down, then you, yeah, you, you, you will just, it can be serious. It can, it can break you down mentally. So, so yeah, so normally, yeah, talking to them, help them um, improve their state of being um, is usually I would, what I would do to, to the team. And yeah, so that's a, something I can add. Amazing, thank you. Thank you. Um, Frida, do you have any, any follow-ups, Manida, anything you'd like to hear more about? I think that we're going to come into many of the, the things that I want to know uh, later on the, in the discussion. So I think uh, I'm going to leave it here. Yeah, thanks. Perfect. Um, Patience, would you like to go next and introduce your question and we can share our ideas on that too? Sure. Um, I have a lot of thoughts when it comes to burnout. And part of the reason why I do is because uh, in my first full-time job, where I, you know, first five years of my work life, where I became a manager in New York, I I experienced such bad burnout that my uh, doctor, my general practitioner doctor, said you have two choices: that shooting pain that you feel going up and down your arms. There's no medical reason for it. This is because of stress and your job. And either you need to decide to live with the pain or you need to quit your job. There's nothing I can do for you medically. And that was in my fifth year of working 90 hours a week, uh, you know, five days a week in New York for five years. And, you know, I was all excited because it was my first job. I loved it. It was a fascinating industry. I was getting 
you know, promoted and promoted and I was getting a lot of great positive feedback. And so I thought it was awesome, but I was also setting myself up for failure. And there wasn't anybody there outside of myself who could look at me and say, hey, you're doing a really dumb thing here. Like you're in it for the long haul, not the short haul. Think about this a little bit differently. And I wish there had been somebody like that um, because I was too new to the work world to really understand what I was doing wrong. So today I'd like to sort of talk about how do you recognize it so that you can maybe change what you're doing, change what's going on and avoid burnout or nip it in the bud, nip it in really early. Because once you get to burnout, it's not just a mental stress that wears you down. It impacts you physically, like the shooting pains in my arms. Other people I know are just exhausted and have to sleep for 20 hours a day. Like it has serious physical effects and it also weakens your heart if you have it for long-term and don't do anything. And there's all these, you know, huge, horrible ramifications of it if you really let it go on for a long time. So, you know, I'd really like to hear your guys' perspectives on, you know, sort of how are you recognizing burnout before it gets so bad? And what sort of tricks are you doing to try to avoid it, try to prevent your colleagues or your team members from getting it, or at least flag it to your friends or your colleagues and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Like what shouldn't we be doing? Or what should we be doing differently so that we can have a healthier uh, mental health and work-life balance and way of working uh, so we can be in it for the long haul. So I have some thoughts on that, but I wanna hear your guys' perspectives first. Amazing, Frida, do you want to yeah. start us off? I can start, sure. Um, well, as I said, I also have, I, I share a, a lot of your experiences, uh, patients. Um, I can start off by just describing uh, just a bit of what I went through. Um, it was 20 years ago now, around the millennium. I was working in a uh, unhealthy marshmallowy organization. Uh, that is an organization that lacks both boundaries, boundaries for roles and responsibilities. And just the marshmallow part is a really big hazard for stress. Uh, and uh, in combination with a young, overambitious, good girl, that became both harmful and, and dangerous for me, actually. So uh, 2001, I think it was, I was diagnosed with, uh, uh, I just translated it directly from Swedish, work-related uh, exhaustion or burnout. And not, that's not so unusual, crazy enough. Uh, the two unusual, unusual, unusual parts of my story is um, that I was uh, only 22 and uh, that it took me four, almost five years to get back uh, slowly, slowly. So that was a very hard hit for, for me, but also for my family. Uh, and uh, I would say that there are, I mean, I just pointed out the marshmallowy part of an organization, super, super uh, risky. Uh, you need to, I mean, to be clear, 
uh, is to be kind. I mean, to be to be um, to have clear boundaries is is being kind to the to to your employees. So um, to uh, to help uh, the employees have a, a work life balance is is very kind, and it's it's something that managers definitely should do. Um, mm, I would say that there are a few signals uh, that uh, I should have acted on earlier um, and taken more seriously. But as I said, I was really young and I sort of didn't add the dots uh, or connect the dots. I would say uh, if you sleep or not um, is something to, to think about, uh, how your stomach is. Is it functioning uh, or not? It's also something to, <laughs> to consider. Uh, if you get irritated easy uh, or angry often. I also had like muscle cramps around my lungs and that's typically uh, for stress, what, I, what, I, uh, what my doctor told me. Many men come in uh, to the ER with muscle cramps around the heart also stress-related, uh, thinking that they have like a heart attack or something. So um, to react earlier to, to all of these symptoms uh, would have helped me uh, not crash totally uh, like I did. Because um, as you described, patients, I, I, uh, I spent the next uh, six months sleeping. And so that's... Uh, yeah, but I would say also if you if you if you sort of uh, twist it around to to looking at success factors, uh, I think um, looking at uh, having a very adaptive and empathic leadership uh, that can uh, that lead to have leaders who who see the person behind the role or the achievements to get to know who the employees are, what drives and motivates them. And what challenges them, what keeps them up at night, and and sort of how how can I as a leader best coach and support them? Uh, that's uh, I think one one thing that is crucial here, and um, and that it is important to adapt your leadership depending on uh, the different persons and what they need. Um, truly get to know your employees, and of course trust and psychological safety is super central. So. Uh, do you feel safe enough to be open with the team about how you're doing, uh, both on a private level, but also if you're facing challenges, uh, even private challenges, uh, they definitely affect your work. So uh, to create that safe space uh, within the work situation, I think super, super important. Um, Harlan, do you have anything to add? Uh, <laughs> not really, but um, I can tell you about my experience um, when I was 30 years old and I have this um, position in the company where I am the assistant to the manager, to the big boss, and um, I, was, I was a team lead to, um, to build a, 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 a big project, and I really wanted that position, that's why I wasn't thinking about, you know, I wasn't thinking about how big it is or how difficult it is. I really wanted the position. 
And this is a Japanese company. I was working in Singapore before. I'm not saying that Japanese companies are really tough, but it's just the timing that during that time, it was my worst, uh, worst situation that uh, it happened in a Japanese company. But, but, but the thing is, it started with, um, um, with um, uh, overtime. We're working overtime. And um, in the beginning, we were working from nine to seven, and then it became nine to eight, and then become nine to nine. And, it, and during our um, UAT, or user acceptance testing, and uh, we we have to since the since the we, we need to make sure that everything is working perfectly. Um, the the the, ide the ideology in that team or or the other teams that is already in that culture is that we need to fix the the, the bugs or we need to make it perfect and before you go home. So it becomes like I, I kid you not, going home at 10 p.m. is a roll eyes. You will see roll, rolling at 10 p.m. So it, it was a habit to, to go home around 11, 12, and there was the worst case is 3 a.m. And we have to wake up like, uh, and, and, and that was the time when I have my first child where she was only six months. So I couldn't spend more time with her because I was doing, uh, I was working uh, too much. So um, I really like the position. I really like the, the job. But uh, it was too. It, it was. Uh, it was just too much for me. So uh, I, I I stayed in the company for 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 a year, and and when I quit, it's super relief when when I finally got out of that culture of that system. I, they were asking me, "Hey, can you come back?" And, no, no, no. <laughs> so and then I after that I said like I, 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 this was this will never happen to me again. I played sports, I played badminton, I played like three times a week. It's my favorite uh, sport, by the way. And and yeah, so um, signals. I mean, it's like you're uh, you don't have enough sleep, you, and it, you are irritated. You you don't know what's going. Sometimes your decisions are already um, uh, very. Sometimes your decisions are already erratic and you just want to like finish everything. And, and it's really not good because you want to finish everything. And, and, and because of that, you are missing some stuff and it, it's, it's making it worse. So, so yeah, <laughs> that's my experience. <laughs> and um, in order for me to be able to recover, that would be for the next topic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. I think, oh, yeah. I think a lot of what you sort of raise there is sort of a lot, a lot of stuff that I've dealt with, uh, both with myself, but also with uh, team members who I've inherited who have uh, been in the process of burnout, where you have that identity and that di desire and that personal motivation this is something that you want to do and it's very difficult to admit that you can't handle it and to say that you can't handle it even if it's very true is is a huge hurdle for many many people and so i've tried to sort of change that dialogue and say it's not about that you can't handle this it's about that this is an unhealthy situation for you to be in and you know you can probably handle it in some way shape or form but do you want to like this isn't how it should be life should be better than this and to sort of 
make it more about a choice of context as opposed to a who I am and what my personal abilities are um, and to try to take it take the the personal away from it because I part, one of my big mistakes was I defined my self-worth by my job title and by what I could accomplish at work back in those days. I don't anymore. Huh? Awesome for me. But I did. I, I did then very much so. And I was only as good as the last success or accomplishment that I had. And if I didn't do as good on the next one, well, then I was a complete failure right? If I didn't get that promotion, I was a complete failure. And none of that is true. That's, that's just, you know, that's, you get lost in the expectations and the defining yourself through work. And um, I think a lot of it is more about, can we change that way of thinking? And, you know, the Nordics are much better than the U.S., in prioritizing work-life balance and saying, no, work is not the most important and no, I am not just my title. But despite that, I see the same thing happening here. I'm based in Norway uh, with my colleagues and people I know. And, and so I think the nirvana that the Scandinavian countries maybe had where you know work wasn't as important is slowly falling away. I think it's they're becoming more competitive cultures and with that competition comes this need for prestige this need to sh prove yourself and show that you're doing awesome um and i think so i think there's a lot of factors here and you know one of them is you know certainly lack of work-life balance is is a major one so i've always you know i've been trying to consciously tell my team members you know it's five six o'clock i'm leaving now everybody say goodbye do not stay too late you know it's stupid and it's simple and it's you know they can be like gosh she's a weirdo I don't care, but like I, you know, encourage people to say when they were leaving so that everybody was showing that they were leaving and showing that it was okay to leave at that time and, and showing that nobody's going to get critiqued or bad feedback because they're leaving at three because they have to pick up their kid or they're leaving at noon because, well, you know, they had a really long day the day before and didn't get much sleep and they're not going to be effective anyway. Right. So um, I think that work-life balance is super important and it can be done in many ways, but as managers, we need to model it. And, you know, I can't say I left at five every day, right? Like I did do some long hours, but it was usually in bouts and spurts. And I did not share that with my team. I let them know that I was gone. Or if I did work longer hours, I took off in the middle of the day. And I let them know, hey, I worked late last night. I'm taking off a couple hours now. Um, because I wanted to have them know that it was okay not to work so much. Because as a manager, you have an authority. And even if you don't say it, your presence online gives a signal that they should be there. You know, like they're they're expecting that you're going to roll your eyes like you were talking about, Harlan, if, uh, you know, 
if they leave early, right? Or whatever earlier than you as a manager does. And I think that's, um, it's a really simple thing, but it's so easy to forget. Um, but, you know, that self-worth and identity, like how we define ourselves, I think that perspective on things is what the individual needs to work on more because that's gonna, you know, if you can change context, but if you're still defining yourself by your job again and again and again, and you're going from high intensity environment to high intensity environment, you're just gonna go from burnout situation to another burnout situation and you're never gonna escape it. Um, so it's really a difference in perspective, I think, in a lot of ways. But you guys in agreement or you have other thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you fully. And, and I, I just wanna add also um, that building a kind and human and compassionate company culture also helps. I mean, it, it should be space enough for the whole human being within the company. Uh, we're all human beings and, and we're not expendable resources. So um, it is, it is uh, in our best interest to, interest to, to keep our employees both sustainable and, and happy and healthy. So, so I think we have, uh, we need to make that happen. And it feels it's, it's, we can do so many things. Just to um, jump in there, sorry, Holland. Um, I Googled it when no, I like you said you had burnout at 22. I Googled it. The average age of people who have burnout is 32. So you were 10 years before the average person. Um, wow. And it's actually 52% okay. of people who experience burnout. So it's the ma majority of the workforce, which is absolutely crazy. Mm. So it is. There's some statistics yeah. in there. Yeah. It's crazy. And carry on, Holland. <laughs> no, I just want to um, totally agree with uh, with um, patience. With uh, when when she said that, um, as a manager, you're a role model, and if they see you working hard, um, they're just gonna follow that routine, like you know, and and it happens to mo to many managers. I, I myself is also. Um, I sometimes I didn't know that I'm already more than, you know, it's already 6.30 or 7 that I'm still working because I wanted to finish something. But but this is the these are the things that we need to remember to and 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 these are the things that we need we, we need to avoid inside the team. And and yeah, I totally agree. It's a really good tip, I would say. Wonderful. And patients, do you have anything else like you know you want to talk about on this area before we move on or any last thoughts from anybody really? Oh, I've got tons, but, you know, I want to share the floor space a bit. Um, but one thing I will raise um, is the, uh, because you mentioned it earlier, Frida, the good girl syndrome. The, um, and this isn't just women who have this, right? It, it's just currently called that because I guess it's based on 1950s uh, lifestyle or something. But it's that whole theory of you need to be perfect. You need to work hard, be responsible, always be there, you know, do the extra mile. You need to be excellent in order to be good enough. And um, 
it sort of it links also in with imposter syndrome where you feel like you're never good enough and a lot of people have this and more and more i think with all the new technology all the new degrees and stuff and they think well you know i have one year of java and five years of ruby you know i'm not a good enough developer to do anything you know who am i to think that i can do this coding or whatever it is and i think one of the most important things with that is to just have that honest conversation with your colleagues and your people and the people you think are depending on you and say does this really have to be done today or can it be done tomorrow is that okay or you know what is priority out of these 25 different tasks because i'm human and i cannot do 25 different things by the end of the day it's just not going to happen and to know that you know you don't like the imposter syndrome you cannot be perfect without experiencing you know working at it trying at it everybody starts from zero nobody is born with innate knowledge in these areas and so you just have to build up that experience level and you do that through time and i think you know when you come to you know being concerned about like am i good enough am i good enough and the main criteria i always ask is are you trying and are you doing the best that you can do given the context that you're in and have you asked for support and if you've done those three things awesome that is that is everything and like that's all and if you fail as long as you learn from it perfect because you learn more from failure than you do from success so i'd rather you fail multiple times i'd rather you stumble along because ultimately in the long run you're going to be much more valuable to me because you'll have been there done that and i want people to have that experience and know that it's okay it's okay to stumble it's okay to not have the experience already it's okay to fail as long as you're trying and you're being honest with yourself and those around you, that's what it's really about. Because if you don't know how to do that communication and talk about, I don't know enough here or where your limitations are or your fear that you don't know enough, then you're never gonna be able to get beyond it. And so I think, you know, back to what you guys were saying earlier is, you know, talking about it openly and clearly with whoever you feel comfortable with, whether that's your manager or your team members or your partner or your friends, you know, just with anybody to try to figure out how do you get beyond this limitation that is caused by fear? And yeah, comments, thoughts? No, you're just, you just said it perfectly, I would say. Uh, can I just add something else just because we're, we're talking about burnout and how to to prevent coming to that point where you where you're where you're so so stressed and and worn out by the stress uh, that you uh, find yourself in that situation I think it's so important that you sort of 
distinguish what and, and you, that you find what in your life can can function as recovery uh, and that you do that every day. It shouldn't be just, uh, I, yeah, I went out for a run because that's also stress. <laughs> so you need to sort of separate the, 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 the exercise uh, and recovery because it's not always the same thing. Um, so just uh, for me, it's, it's maybe going out to the woods, sitting on a, a, a big rock and just breathe and look at the, the, the sky or the trees and just, just take it in. And, and sit there for half an hour and just breathe. Um, and But it can also be like yoga or, or taking a very slow walk or, or whatever, but it's it's uh, something different uh, from, from uh, exercising because many people think that that's sort of the antidote to stress, but it's not. And, and we need to talk about that too. Yeah. And anything else, Holland? Um, not really. Uh, everything is. Um, yeah, they said it already. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have nothing to add. So um, it, we can move on to another topic where um, I have some questions about. Um, is it okay? We can. Yeah, uh, go for do it. We, yeah. Go for it. So I have some questions around how do we completely recover from burnout and get back to our previous selves, not only get back, but also become better at, at handling it after the recovery or or being really good at, at, at it before it happens, you know, um, and that it will never happen anymore. Um, I know that it's inevitable to happen, but at least um, before you go to that stage where you are uh, going to the burnout level, you already prevent it because you know the the, the the things to do or or the you have the mindset already you are you have the habit you have the routines um i know it's case to case basis and i know that um uh, since it's case to case basis every individual has their own capacity but i want to hear your thoughts around that i know there's there, there would be some patterns around certain people for, for sure but uh yeah that's um, that's my question <laughs> to the group And patience, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, my pathway to recovery when I got burnt out at 25 uh, was I quit my job. I left New York. I drove seven and a half times back and forth across the U.S. for three months, just randomly with no goal, no direction, no nothing. I just turned left when it felt good to turn left and ended up where I ended up, right? And that's what I did for three months. And then I ended up on the opposite coast in Seattle and took a job in a completely different industry, doing completely different things, rebooted my entire career. Um, and that worked for me. That's a little drastic for some people. <laughs> so, you know, but that's, you know, I just needed to just completely disconnect because it was so ingrained in who I thought I was and who I thought I needed to be and how I defined success. 
um, that I, I needed to just reset everything. Um, nowadays, like as I've gotten older, I've been in situations that have caused me to start walking down that road to burnout. And, you know, I've come to the point where I'm just like, you know what, it's not worth it. I will try to change the context for myself and those around me, but if I don't succeed at that, then I'm just walking away and I'm going to take time off and reboot myself. And I do stupid little things to try to prevent it. Like I don't drink coffee at work because caffeine agitates me and it makes me angry and it makes me stressed and it just makes all of my anxiety levels go up. So I'm just like, remove that. You know, no caffeine while I'm at work, only during calm social times. And people ask me, oh, what books do you read? Thinking that I read all these, you know, really great business books and stuff. And I'm like, no, I read fluffy chiclet and watch vampire TV programs because they're so disconnected from reality that it lets my brain just go vroom and disconnect from work and they're entertaining and they're fluffy and it doesn't matter if I pay attention or not and they aren't going to impact anything with my life or anybody else's and it's fine you know and so I have bookshelves I have like 400 fluffy chiclet bubblegum literature books on my shelves and people are just like wow that's not really impressive and I think actually it is it is really impressive because I've found something that works for me and helps me be a better person at work and be a better me um, and I think that's what we all need to find and whether it's sitting on your rock or reading you know watching a vampire series you know whatever works for you that makes you happy and and makes you realize that the world is a bit different and it isn't all about that one context you know and so I, I also randomly you know I tell people that I work with I'm like you know what the world will not end nobody's gonna die if you don't do this work put it on the shelf put it away if it doesn't happen, guess what? Sometimes nobody will notice. And that's sad, but that's the reality of it. So let's try to focus on, you know, the things that matter, the things that make you happy, the things that, you know, can make you feel motivated and good and not stressed and relaxed. And, you know, those are the things for me, you know, randomly, you know, no structure, turning right, left, and center whenever I want to, and, you know, just going off in other worlds, really. Um, but, you know, maybe you guys have other tricks? Yeah, that's such a great story. I, I love this. So, um, for me, recovering from this uh, burnout, I. As I said earlier, the first six months, I just slept. And then, um, uh, yeah, the memories from that time are now very foggy. Uh, but I had like most of the classical burnout syndromes, symptoms. But I was, uh, um, I was so young and this experience really shaped uh, me. And it's part of me now. So 
Um, what happened after these six months was that I had to, to fight um, to, to get rehabilitation. Uh, and uh, my parent had to, to fight too, because I, I wasn't strong enough to fight for myself. Uh, thank you, Mama Papa. Um, they, they got me help and uh, I went to stress rehabilitation uh, at Stressmontageningen in Stockholm for a year. That helped me a lot, built uh, a stronger me, uh, well, stronger than I was uh, a year earlier. <laughs> and then I would say it's, it's been step by step from that uh, after this rehabilitation uh, and uh, my years of sick leave was over because it was uh, plenty of years. Then I started studying um, at the university and uh, to be able to do that in a safe way for me, uh, I set up really tight boundaries for myself. I only studied weekdays between nine to five. So I really structured my, myself and my, my work life uh, in, a, in a really good way. And uh, it worked. I graduated <laughs> and everything. And now uh, that I've been working for a few years, I, I sort of have uh, reflected over the years. And now with time, I can say that, I hope that I can say <laughs> that I've developed uh, uh, inner sensors that guide me now. Um, I sort of sense when I'm tense and when my body signals that something's wrong. And so I'm in close contact with my body. Uh, it helps me act when I sense these signals. Um, so I've several times during the years, I've decided to leave jobs or rather employee, employers <laughs> when I have sensed that the, the environment has become negative for me. Um, so I would say that these, uh, these um, uh, senses or these uh, signals, they, they work like uh, dynamic boundaries for me that protects me from, from spending too much energy in the wrong places. Uh, and these uh, inner sensors, I, I put a lot of trust, trust in them. They guide me. Um, and, and when I do experience stress, because I do, still I, I think i'm i'm pretty uh, sensitive to that but when the signals are beeping then i well for instance when i stop start sleeping badly then that's very key for me <laughs> i know that i need to dig into why and uh, um, reflect if if it's something that i uh, that i need to act on often Often it is, and, 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 then, and then I need to act directly because I can't wait um, because then it, it can become dangerous for me again. And, I, and now, I mean, I have a family, I have two kids and I have a husband. I can't end up in that situation again. It's like, it's, it doesn't, it's not, it's not a, I can't do that now. So, um, I, I, I'm more of a better safe than sorry right now. Harlan, do you have anything more to add? Um, I was just, I was just amazed because you guys have um, this uh, internal sensory or 
um, because I I wish I have that. I wish I had that when um, when I was recovering from my burnout. Um, I can just add a little because um, uh, for me, uh, after the rehabilitation, you know, it, like I said, it's it's case to case basis. Um, some people would love um, talking to their friends to to recover from uh, burnout. Some people would go for um, relaxing, yoga, meditation. Some people love meditation. Some people would just um, uh, sleep, you know, to to uh, sleep away their sleep debt. And some people would um, uh, eat their deli <laughs> delicious meal. I love uh, eating spicy food because, you know, that's um, that makes me feel good. Um, but after those rehabilitations, um, uh, when my body, when my thoughts are already um, ready for the uh, for the to to tackle all the problems, to to tackle all the concerns that I I walk away from, and I would come up with a game plan, a routine. Uh, it's probably like a uh, internal sensory, but it's like a, a routine for me. Uh, since I don't have that, I would go for. Um, I have these notes where I would have like all the concerns. I do it on a, an, or a habitually or on a routine basis, where all these concerns, and then underneath that, I will have like uh, to dos. What should I do? And break it down to like doable things, like very small things that I can do to break it down to to tackle all this big concern at the the heading and. And yeah, so the, it's it's like watching uh, Breaking Bad, you know, the series Breaking Bad. And uh, season one, like this is the problem, this is the problem. It piles up, and then season two, you will solve like three, four problems. So it's like that. It's um for me, it's um I would put some to dos and and solve each each uh, each concern by putting two minute to dos. And once I solve them, it becomes my routine to tackling uh, to to not let it happen again. So that when I have uh, stress. I just put it, okay, this is my stress. I, I, I put this one, uh, I'll do this, I do that. And then it makes me also feel good once I have the to-dos. Once I know what to do, it, it, it's, it's already like, ah, yeah, now I'm clear. Even though I haven't done it, it makes me uh, relieved. It, it, it relieves me when, when I do the to-do because I know what, how to solve that problem, how to solve that stress, how to solve that concern. So that's what I can add to this. And yeah, so... So, so I, I, I wish I had this internal, internal uh, sensory that you guys have. Um, but yeah, so yeah, and, and that's my question. How do you develop that sensory? Is it be because of the, is it because of the experience? It, does it take, should I be more burnout before I can develop that? I'm no, <laughs> no, 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 don't. I think you're on it already. Yeah. Harland, you're on it because uh, you're doing it with your with your lists and with, with your with your notes and everything. You're doing it already. Just trust your process and that's going to help you. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of what I was hearing when you were talking was that making those lists and stuff has given you a sense of control, a sense of ownership, a sense of, you know, I can do this. These are manageable. I've broken it down. It's they're smaller bits. And all these things are super important if that's how you're wired, right? Like Norwegian doctors here always tell me, well, go sit in the woods and, you know, go meditate and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not wired that way. That is going to increase my stress levels. Like, no, I need to run around on a soccer field in just 
circles, crazy circles with no structure whatsoever, with no, you know, nature, no, you know, none of this all meditation that is very structured and very, you know, theoretically relaxing. But that's, that's sort of what you're talking about is sort of knowing yourself to know where do you feel more relaxed? How do you feel better? What makes you happy, satisfied, feel good about yourself? And that's just keep following that. Do more of that because that's your body and your brain and your everything saying, this is the direction you should be going in over here, over here. <laughs> So, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's important or fancy or what other people are doing. It just matters, does it work for you? Oh, the lights have just gone off. Uh, there we go. <laughs> that was good timing. Um, no, I think that's a really good point to end on that. Everyone does things differently. Um, one thing that I, I mean, I'm not, touch wood fingers crossed well having these podcasts so I don't get burned out um but one thing I do in different to you Harland is if I'm having a day where I've got loads to do my brain gets a bit foggy and I just can't do anything because it's all like just sat here um I'll do a have done list so I'll write down everything I have done mm -hmm. so then at the end of the day I can feel like oh well I might not have hit any of my targets that like my manager set for me but I have done all these things that I've been successful and I can move forward so I think I'm more like you in the sense of it has to be written down Harland that's how I move <laughs> um, I think that's a great idea <laughs> it yeah. is very good idea Gemma I'll, I'll, yeah yeah it's just, I don't know I just do it a bit differently and um, all these years of education and I'm a bit more of a practical person <laughs> yep Amazing. Well, does anybody have any last minute points they want to put out there before we wrap this up? No, I could talk um, for days. Years, but... Don't... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I work. think. Yeah, I think this has definitely been a really good podcast and it'd be something that maybe we could continue and do a part two of. Um, I think it'd be a really good idea. So thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. Thank you so much for Patience, Frida and Harland for sharing your experiences, your thoughts and how we can move on and talk about this further. Um, thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you thank very you. much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <Us. laughs>